In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Andre Dickens takes the reins. I stand here today as living proof that a little kid from Adamsville could dare to dream to be the mayor and grow up to fulfill the dream by becoming the 61st mayor of Atlanta. Welcome to this Inside City Hall edition of the Politically Georgia podcast on day one for Atlanta's new mayor, Andre Dickens. I'm your host, Greg Bluesting, with our City Hall reporters, Will Nobles and J.D. Capilouto. Guys, you've covered this election closer than anyone on the planet, and you can really hear the excitement and passion in Andre Dickens' voice as he takes office for the first time, J.D. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year. Happy to, to be back on the Politically Georgia pod. Love it here. Um, yeah, absolutely. This this kind of stuff is is totally in his wheelhouse, and he was he was grinning wide that whole inauguration ceremony and just really happy to be there and you could see him see him soaking in the moment he's waited a long time for this one he's he said a lot that he has dreamed since he was 16 of becoming mayor and his mom said that it was actually since he was 12 and so this was this was a big moment for him and and for his family for sure well set the scene for us because we're it's freezing cold (laughs) there's (laughs) there's rows and rows of kind of white folding chairs set up on the uh the grounds of georgia tech's football stadium um, folks are not required to wear masks, but strongly encouraged to wear masks and yes. um, get vaccinated, make sure they were vaccinated beforehand. And also there was even a mobile testing site out right out front. But so there is, this was this atmosphere of Omicron was kind of bleeding into to, to the events festivities, but it didn't really uh, subdue. It didn't really overshadow the events. Yeah, 100%. It was interesting because uh, clearly everyone had uh, COVID on their mind, right? They wanted to make sure people were safe and weren't spreading uh, the C word. Um, At the same time, we saw quite a handful of people, right? It wasn't just um, uh, uh, Mayor Dickens. It wasn't just uh, former mayors, um, Shirley Franklin, and and now former Mayor Keisha Lance Bombs, right? We had, um, you know, we had U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock. We had um, U.S. Representatives Nakima Williams, Lucy McBath. Man, we saw we were uh, JD and I were actually mm-hmm. sitting right behind Waka Flocka, which <laughs> we were like, "Whoa, look at this famous rapper out here! What, what are the odds?" So it was there was excitement in the air as well as this uh, uh, COVID, right? That uh, folks are still worried about. So there's a lot of energy out there, and his Deacon Bonafides really came out during his speech, and also we just had like. Uh, a handful of faith leaders that were also speaking to folks and, and, and praying over the city and, and for the future that um, a, a, a safe and um, unified city. That was the kind of the energy in the air 
at this uh, ceremony today. Yeah, unity was certainly the big buzzword, the framing of the entire event. It wasn't just Andre Dickens. It was all the speakers before him talking about how important it was to have a united Atlanta. But it was interesting to me that Andre Dickens, he started by acknowledging those who came before him uh, before he talked about what he must do now. Together, there is nothing that we can accomplish, starting with redeeming the soul of Atlanta. Our true opponents are not some political competitor or some neighbor that we disagree with. No, our opponents are poverty, fear, inequality, violence, hopelessness, and homelessness. Each mayor, each mayor had their burden, and mine is to bring us together to form a safe, clean, thriving city and to restore our sense of community. J.D., I thought that was an interesting passage because, um, and he had, he had called out his predecessors, um, talking about uh, Mayor Bottoms, Mayor Reed, Mayor Campbell, everything that the mayors before him had done and fought and, and, and overcame. And, 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 the, and, and his, his underlying theme there was unity, was uniting against a common adversary, not a person, not, a, not even a movement, but a sort of a scourge, crime, mm-hmm. uh, poverty, hopelessness. That, 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 that resonated with the audience, it seemed. Yeah, and that's a line that he used a lot on the campaign trail, actually. Whenever people would ask him about his opponents, what do you think about all the people you're running against? He would, he would go to that line, my opponent isn't a specific person, it's, it's crime, it's homelessness, et cetera, et cetera. And so now he's kind of using what was a campaign line into something that the whole city can, can hopefully get behind and in this uh, idea of unity and, and this theme that um, throughout all of Atlanta, people you know are, all want the same things from their government and a lot of the issues that they're dealing with are the same and you know we can really bring the city together etc cetera, etc cetera. and yeah i definitely agree with you about about the predecessor's line and saying uh yeah the, the line that struck me was every mayor had their burden you know mine is keeping the city together essentially um and kind of putting himself in that lineup of atlanta mayors and i don't know if it was planned or not but keisha lance bottoms in her speech right before him also listed all of the mayors that had come before her. And so it was uh, really kind of a nice parallel there. Uh, and it, that became kind of a theme, kind of uh, honoring the predecessors and also looking forward to the future. Yeah, I will. I mean, that JD is exactly right. Keisha Lance Bottoms had the same sort of invocation, it seemed, um, where she talked about um, each of her predecessors. May you be dedicated like Sam, a visionary like Maynard, courageous like Andy, brilliant like Bill, resolute like Shirley, and bold like Kasim. And the last one, of course, sent a murmur through the crowd because it was Kasim Reed who was there, um, who was also uh, one of the biggest critics of Andre Dickens in the campaign trail. Well, the last thing she actually said in that lineup was uh, she ended it by saying an optimistic like me, right? Because, yeah, yeah I mean, when you, really, when you think about it, uh, um, uh, former Mayor Bottoms had like a mountain of challenges, right? And she even, uh, when she spoke to me for the story we published uh, in print Sunday and we published it online, I think like um, uh, a Friday on, on New Year's Eve. But basically, you know, uh, this, she, her first term is probably going to be is probably going to go down in history as one of the most challenging times for the city, right? I mean, the city was literally on on, on fire uh, during during the uh, uh, the protests last spring. So, but with all that said, she was very optimistic about the whole thing, and that's what uh, Mayor Dickens is going to have to do, right? He's going to have to um, work up his his religious bona fides, and he's really going to have to pray in addition to working with people and telling them, "Hey, uh, 
Um, we're not uh, one city versus another city. We're not one community versus another community. We all need to work together and uh, we need to collaborate with uh, law enforcement. We need to, um, you know, collaborate with uh, the mayor's office and different departments to really um, ensure that we can uh, move forward and, and address the issues that are facing us. So, yeah, I mean, it. it I, I agree with JD. It was really interesting how all the the uh, city leaders kind of spoke and not even just uh, bombs and diggings, but even council president Doug Shipman, he was speaking about how, you know, we need to, need to focus on like policies and not politics and, and, and let's, let's work together and, and not uh, attack each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, again, yeah, I don't know if it was planned uh, also or coordinated, but during Andre Dickens' speech, he said, quote, my visions of Atlanta are filled with optimism. Uh, you know, just after Mayor Bottoms spoke about optimism in her speech. So that was another little parallel that I caught. He's definitely, he said, I'm a positive person. And that's definitely something that helped, uh, you know, propel him through through the campaign. But guys, he was also very clear about the challenges ahead, especially when it comes to crime. Let, let's listen. The first 100 days of my administration will be laser focused on reducing crime with a particular emphasis on balancing our safety and justice. We will beat back the scourge of crime through my four-step Safe Streets Atlanta plan. We will hire 250 police officers in 2022. And starting this quarter, we will train all new and existing officers in conflict resolution, de-escalation tactics, and community policing. And I will direct my police chief to remind our police officers that they are here to serve and protect. Well, poll after poll after poll showed crime was the number one issue for Atlanta residents in this past election cycle. Uh, And Andre Dickens, right off the bat, is reminding folks, because this is stuff he said on the campaign trail, but he's reminding folks, he's sharpening that that reminder that this is also uh, one of his top priorities. 100%. And even when he was still mayor-elect, when J.D. and I went to uh, his meeting with Buckhead Realtors, you know, he he told those folks, he said, hey, I will go to some of these um, uh, businesses that y'all are concerned about that are operating after hours. And if I see them, you know, uh, violating the law, I'm going to close them down. So he's already, you know, he has definitely promised, uh, going back to his campaign, you know, he's going to redeploy police officers uh, in a very robust manner at shopping centers, gas stations, bars, clubs. Uh, he just wants to make sure that, um, you know, when, when people are out and about living their lives, that they know that there are um, uh, there are people out there that are literally doing their duty, right, to protect and serve and ensure people have this. Uh, not only are they like, can they see they're safe, but that seeing the officers out there, uh, the hope is to create this sense of security, right? So that's what he's got to do. He's got to get more cops on the streets. Yeah, because a lot of this past two years, has been the, the crime numbers that it themselves show what they show, but it's also this perception of, of feeling unsafe that a lot of people in the city mm-hmm. have. Like if he can combat that, that would do just as much for like the morale of the city and, you know, honestly for combating Buckhead cityhood than sheer just getting the numbers down. I mean, obviously they, they go hand in hand sometimes, but, but yes, that perception that matters as well. And it wasn't only about hiring new officers and training them in different ways and in and, and, and community policing. He talked about partnerships with schools and other nonprofit groups. And he also talked about you know, something that I think residents will start to see because it's already coming into action, but more lights and more cameras. And one of the things that stuck out to me was he said, we're going to light up from uh, light up Atlanta 
from the airport to Phipps Plaza. Like a Christmas tree. <laughs> like a Christmas yeah, I think tree. Exactly. Like, I think that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's something that um, he's championed you know, um, as well. Yeah. That, that lighting program. You know, and his talk, his his speech went far beyond crime. He, he also moved to a wide-ranging plan that he thinks will help make Atlanta look and run better. I'm going to ensure that we have a clean and honest and efficient city government where roads, sidewalks, our sewers, and our park equipment are maintained, where green space is abundant and families, residents, and visitors can work live and play in peace. A city where people are engaged and excited about participating in their communities. We will give additional resources to keep Atlanta beautiful, along with the Department of Public Works to launch Operation Clean Sweep, starting later this month to clean up our city. Now, Will, you know, the word clean sweep has different connotations. One is the corruption, right? Uh, polls right. showed that corruption was not on the top of the minds of many of, of many Atlanta voters, but it was always out there looming, especially after Kasim Reed's tenure prompted a, a federal investigation into corruption uh, that's still ongoing. But also, of course, the basic duties of a city government that residents were complaining weren't getting done, trash not getting picked up, growing problems with debris on the streets and, you know, other issues that were mounting in the minds of Atlanta voters. Absolutely. And going back to his campaign, you know, um, Mayor Dickens kept saying, uh, or at least uh, when you would look back at uh, the catalog of his promises to uh, to Atlanta, he would say, you know, one of the major sources of the uh, project backlog for tr- transportation and traffic was right uh, corruption. Right, uh, there was this corruption apparently that plagued uh, the procurement process in, in, in prior administrations. Uh, former Kasim Reed's administration. And so, you know, he he's arguing he's going to overcome that corruption uh, left over from 2017 in the con- in the contracting process. And to your point beyond that, you know, he wants to make sure that um, he can deliver on these projects, right? Complete streets. Uh, he wants to see how they can uh, fulfill the promises that folks wanted to see from the funding from TSPLOS, right? The, the, uh, the sales tax. So, um, there's a lot of stuff he, he has in mind, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm especially interested to see if he's going to actually uh, successfully make MARTA free for everyone by, by 2030. So that'll be a, a kind of a in, in the distant thing that uh, it'll be interesting to see how he lays the groundwork out for that. I'll, I'll also note that Operation Clean Sweep is something that I know Mayor Bottoms, I don't know if she started it, but it definitely happened under her administration where it's folks going out and cleaning roadways and stuff. I think it's kind of I don't know how active it's been recently. So yeah, it definitely wants to, and it goes back to the perception thing, you know, really ramp up that project and get, you know, streets more clean. And, uh, you know, like he said, make the city look cleaner and feel safer. Yeah. And he wants to bring back the pothole posse. Pothole posse. Oh yeah. (laughs) That'll be popular, honestly. (laughs) A lot of promises for the new incoming Atlanta mayor. This is Politically Georgia. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. We're back with J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles, the architects of the Inside City Hall newsletter. Guys, tell us what's on tap for the coming week. Yeah, so every Monday we publish an Inside City Hall kind of roundup slash column slash analysis. It's your go-to for everything you need to know about what's going on in Atlanta city government. We'll bring you news uh, that you might have missed and sometimes some scoops and insider info and analysis on what's going on in City Hall. So look out for it every Monday. And it also goes out to subscribers of the politics newsletter. It's kind of double dose of politics. You get state politics from the morning jolt and city politics from the inside City Hall newsletter. Guys, let's let's get back to talking about Andre Dickens' uh, inaugural speech, which really sets the stage. It sets the tone for his four years in his first term as Atlanta mayor. Uh, he, you know, he talked too about his plan to capitalize on Atlanta's booming growth. I will create a new Atlanta Department of Labor to work with the private sector, the labor unions, higher education institutions, philanthropic groups, Invest Atlanta and our workforce development agencies to tackle the obstacles keeping us from full employment. We're going to work to offer students a personal development program that provides either a track to college for a college degree or to a higher paying job. There are high paying jobs in technical fields that don't require a four year degree. And so I want to get more, more young people the certifications and the soft skills that they need to thrive in the workforce. Well, this is one of his more ambitious um, legislative items because he'll have to get that through City Hall, he'll have to get that through a City Council and get it funded. Um, have you noticed, has there been uh, widespread support for, for this new department? I think that folks want to work, right? <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, people, in order for them to uh, support themselves and support their families and to do anything from uh, you know, paying for gas to even trying to travel, right? They're going to need money. And what uh, Mayor Dickens wants to do by creating this Department of Labor is he wants to make sure there is a, a dedicated liaison at City Hall to work with these different um, industries in the city to ensure that people can can get a job. So I, I do think there is support for it. Um, I have not heard many people voice opposition to it. I think a lot of people are optimistic about it. Um, and he also said at the inauguration, he, he, he mentioned something in great detail about wanting to work with the technology company, which I think is uh, going to be interesting because really Atlanta is be, uh, it is a, a technology hub when you think about it. And he is an engineer. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that works out. Well, that's a perfect segue because this was the line that was very well received at Georgia Tech, Andre Dickens' alma mater. I want Atlanta to be the beta test site for the nation's future in transportation, logistics, and digital equity. We will be at the table for blockchain and clean energy, for baby bonds and early childhood education, for fintech, health IT, and NFTs. Innovation is the future, and we will show 
that Atlanta has something to say. J.D., we've heard a lot of politicians say they want to turn Atlanta or Georgia into the Silicon Valley of the South, the, the new research triangle, the brain train, all these different ideas. And look, Atlanta is a, a major research hub, a major technology hub, and really a, a, one of the biggest bases of fintech and electric electric vehicles in the world now at this point. Um, but at the same time, um, he's got a long way to go in terms of creating an environment in Atlanta where it can rival other major cities in terms of startups and entrepreneurial spirit and that that sort of uh, energy. Well, I don't know. I think there is a lot of energy and, and entrepreneurial spirit in Atlanta. It just needs to be harnessed in a certain way and with uh, you know the right perspective. And I mean, how many politicians have you heard Greg ever use the word blockchain before? I mean, he, <laughs> mm-hmm. he knows what he's Good talking point. about with this stuff. It's not just words. It's not just saying we should innovate. It's like he has experience working at a tech nonprofit startup and as a, um, you know, in, in that world. And he comes, you know, as an engineer. And so, I mean, definitely more qualified than I am just to speak about those kinds of issues. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but it, it definitely stood out to me to hear him directly speak about NFTs and fintech at his inauguration. Um, and it'll just be interesting to see how he harnesses that and what he as mayor can do about that. And I think one of well, the things that folks like about, um, Mayor Dickens is that uh, when he talks about these opportunities in the technology industry, he he mentions that, you know, he doesn't want these companies to um, pull out talent from, you know, outside of Atlanta. Right. He wants he wants these companies to really uh, work with him to train up uh, uh, local uh, residents to to know how to take these jobs and how to thrive in them. Um, and J.D., what is blockchain? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let's Google it right quick. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, yeah, let me look up the uh, dictionary.com answer. <laughs> okay. Well, the big, huge issue, the sort of the, the, the white elephant out there was Buckhead. Um, it's something that, you know, the cityhood movement that he's going to have to try to fight, um, that is his, maybe his most daunting challenge, um, that is going to be coming up at the Georgia legislature in the next few days when the session formally begins. And it'll be a subject of debate until it's not, you know, until it either passes or some lawmaker, some leader says, no, it's not going to happen this year. Um, but in the meantime, you know, Andre Dickens has to kind of restore those, a, a cozier bond between the city and the state, the sort of same relationship that Nathan Deal had with Kasim Reed. He wants to try to emulate. He's met with the Governor Brian Kemp. He's met with Speaker David Ralston. He's met with Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Um, so he's tried to forge those ties. Same time, he's got to watch the Buckhead Cityhood movement from the corner of his eye. He said Buckhead, I think it was twice in the speech, but he did not explicitly mention a potential split by name. It, it still wasn't ignored. We don't need separate cities. I said we don't need separate cities. We must be one city with one bright future. One city with one bright future. That might have been the biggest applause of the night, or at least some of the some, some one of the biggest applause lines yeah. of the day. Uh, and at the same time, one of the only times he repeated himself just to let the word sink in. One city and we don't need separate cities. <laughs> it was essentially, we need unity. And again, Will, that was a theme that we heard over and over again, not just from the new mayor, but also from everyone else who spoke. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he was elected, right, he it goes back to what he says, you know, his, his enemy is like crime and violence and, and homelessness. And with all that said, those are all the same concerns that folks in Buckhead have. They're worried about the crime. They're worried about 
um, the condition of the city services they receive. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why he received such a strong reception when he said, you know, we're, we're one city um, because he's going to have to, again, work with everybody to um, re- resolve the concerns that created this um, uh, cityhood conversation in the, in the first place, or at least from from as far as the optics go, right? When you talk to people who support Buckhead cityhood, they say, yeah, we just want uh, more police and, and we want better services. We want trash picked up, right? They, they don't, they're, they're tired of potholes, all, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, he can do, and he will probably do all that he can to, you know, be, be present with Buckhead neighborhoods. You know, we'll be looking out to see, you know, how present he is. He definitely plans to be, um, you know, and, and kind of garnering support within the Buckhead community. That's definitely one thing and one thing that he's going to try and do. But on the other hand, Greg, I'm, I'm curious if you think that this could kind of almost like spiral out of his control almost because it's becoming such a partisan issue. Like uh-huh. that no matter what Andre Dickens does, could the Republicans of the Statehouse just decide, you know, this is w- what we want to do and, and get it on the ballot? There's a few key figures in this debate, but maybe the biggest figure in this is going to be House Speaker David Ralston. We've heard Andre Dickens talk about Ralston as the, quote, key to this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the second most or most powerful person in Georgia, depending on who you talk to, he'd probably say the most. Um, but as the leader of the of this Georgia House with huge control over not just the budget, but also what issues end up making it to a, a debate, a vote on the, on the floor of the House, um, he might have the final say in this because Governor Kemp, you know, he stayed out of this debate. He said he understands why um, this is an issue, but he hasn't chimed in. But odds are, if it reaches his desk, he'll sign it. Um, but it might never reach his desk. And that's where Speaker Ralston steps in. And um, uh, I've heard from allies of his that he's been very skeptical of this legislation. He said to me that he won't really chime in on it until after the Orange Bowl. Well, it's after the Orange Bowl. So later this week, we're going to hear from him on this issue. And he still might not kind of, you know, put the nail in the coffin for it or anything. He might not endorse it either. He might just say, we need to study it more. We need to look at it more, which means it still could be alive this session. Or he could just say, hey, this is an issue for 2023, which means, you know, if he doesn't endorse it, uh, it's it's going to be almost impossible for it to pass. Um, so he could go several different routes, but he's who I'm watching. And I'm also watching to see how Jeff Duncan and some others who have raised some issues with it as well. Jeff Duncan doesn't have nearly the power that that Speaker Ralston does over his own chamber, but Jeff Duncan can align himself with some other Republican state senators and maybe promote a different way for this, you know, for Buckhead Cityhood. And really, you know, the opponents just say, if they can hold off a year, the momentum behind this will fizzle out. So they're just, they're hoping to just stall it out. They don't necessarily want to kill the idea forever because they feel like they can just get it to be a 2023 issue it loses its momentum. And certainly um, Bill White's, Bill White is the leader of the Buckhead cityhood movement. Um, Certainly his tweet over the weekend that he, that he deleted a few hours later that amplified a white supremacist blogs, um, racist tweet comparing black run cities with a uh, rise in crime. Certainly that did Bill White no favors and uh, really made it harder for rank and file Republicans to line up behind this issue. Have you guys heard uh, rumblings from city officials uh, about the fallout of that tweet? Not that I've heard specifically, other than just people are kind of hoping that, you know, that kind of stuff 
continues to happen in terms of Bill White, you know, losing credibility among people. That's certainly something that is welcome news to them. And it's just, it's kind of, um, gosh, I don't want to say funny, but, but the, the way Greg, you said it was the white elephant in the room, <laughs> right? And there is this, um, there is this, uh, well, you know, JD did the the, the work with, with, with our, uh, our our colleague Jennifer uh, Peebles, right? And, and, and you know, the their analysis showed that uh, a Buckhead city would be uh, majority white, a, a very wealthy city, and so there there have been concerns uh, for a long time since this idea was uh, thrown out into the ether that um, you know the folks supporting Buckhead City really just want to carve out another community for nothing but white folks, right? So I think that that has been a concern for a long time. So when uh, Mr. White, and look, Mr. White, I've I've had conversations with Bill White, and he's a pretty, uh, at least when we've chatted, he's he's funny, he's charismatic, right? But um, the tweet that he co-signed did not surprise a lot of folks because they felt like he has had a history of picking on, you know, certain people who happen to be black. So I, I don't think it surprised many people who have been um, uh, skeptical of, of, of uh, this, this succession movement and particularly uh, critical and, and skeptical of Bill White. J.D., that's one way to put it. I mean, to, to so many people I talk to, Republicans and Democrats, many of them privately, uh, they said it crystallized what they felt like the Buckhead cityhood movement was, which was rooted in racism. Um, you know, that, that, that this was a push to create a wealthy majority white city to carve out a new city out of an existing one, um, that would benefit white wealthy residents to the detriment of the majority black rest of the city. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with what Will said. I would just echo that and say that, um, yeah, given, given kind of that, that narrative that had been put on it before by some folks, uh, that tweet definitely just kind of amplified all of that, um, that messaging, um, and, and certainly makes it harder now for them to, to make the argument that, you know, this isn't about race and, and kind of, they've, they tried to eliminate that from the conversation from the beginning, even when I was writing about this in 2020, uh, you know, and, and, and ask them about that question. Um, so it's been around for a while. So this doesn't, doesn't help. Yeah, it's one of those issues. We'll look back as we continue to cover this debate, whether or not this was the death knell or it was just a blip on the radar. We'll we'll see. It's hard to predict that now, but we're hearing from folks that it could be the nail in the coffin. That is all the time we have for the show today. If you missed it over the holiday break, check out the Politically Georgia podcast on the big questions of 2022 and the highlights of 2021. Plus, catch what the Falcons had to say after their deflating loss to the Bills in the Bowtie Chronicles with D-Led, D-Orlando Ledbetter. And over at Access Atlanta, hear the story of Atlanta band Yacht Rock Review. I've seen many of their shows, not recently, (laughs) but many of their shows over the last (laughs) few years. And also next up on your radar is a special episode with the AJC's David Wickert, who led a team of reporters to write the inside story on how Donald Trump and his allies tried to overturn the Georgia election. That is coming up in a few days on the Politically Georgia podcast. J.D. Capilouto, Will Nobles, thank you so much for joining us for this special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast inside City Hall. And to our producer, Jay Black, thanks as always. To our listeners, we love hearing your feedback. Please send us emails, keep sending us texts and social media messages, and keep rating and reviewing our podcast. We love hearing from you. Thank you so much, and see you soon. Bye, y'all. Bye.
I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.